waiting. Always waiting. The first memory I have of waiting were sleepless nights as a kid. And I would think, how many more hours until the sun comes up? How many more hours of sleep are possible? And just thinking that way created more anxiety and made it even more difficult to go to sleep. And it would usually be around the mark of five or six hours of sleep left that really stressed me out. And I would think there has to be some other way. I would knock on my parents' door and I would express my fear and anxiety about how much sleep I would have and how much time was left and what I would do. And if I got to about three or four in the morning without having gone to sleep, my mom would let me stay home and then I would fall back asleep. The stress would evaporate. wasn't until much later in life that I really understood what that anxiety was about. What I would do, and so many do, is you think about every single interaction you had that day. What you said, how you said it, what people thought about you. And you dread it. And you would think, what's wrong with me? Why am I so different? And then you would think, I would think, tomorrow's going to be the same. And if I don't sleep, it'll be even harder. Waiting. Waiting for the sun to rise. Now, as I've gotten older, I've learned to take away those fears and anxieties about what I say or how I say it or what people might think of me. I can't control what you think about me. All I can control is how I react, how I behave, the commitments that I honor, the people that I surround myself with. When I was young, it was hard. I had a stutter, had vocal nodules, Uh, bumps on the vocal cords that made me sound very raspy. I had speech therapy. I'd be pulled out of classes to go and practice speaking. And I just didn't understand why. Why was talking so hard for me? Well, regardless of the stutter, the raspy voice was hard enough. Put together, I earned a moniker. The bullies called me Duck Call Boy. I didn't like that. Didn't like school. Didn't like any of it. I traveled, right? I lived in California, then moved to Chicago. And in, when I lived in the suburbs of Chicago, I was seven or eight when I began school in Illinois. No friends. No family. My dad traveled, gone a lot. 
and you think about these things, and it makes it hard. But as I got older, I was able to conquer the stutter. I conquered the anxiety to an extent. When I'd have those sleepless nights, I had tricks, tricks to fall asleep. Sometimes it was guided meditation. That would work sometimes. Lavender, an eye mask, earplugs. To this day, I sleep with earplugs. I have a habit. It's hard to take that away. I'm used to sleeping with earplugs. And then I got into a habit of counting. I'd count. But it had to be a really difficult way of counting. It couldn't just be one, two, three, four. It was counting from the number 1,000 backwards by threes. Starting with the number 1,000 and counting backwards by threes. 1,997, 994, 991, 988, 985, 982, 979, 976, 973, 970, and on and on and on. And your mind can't think about the interactions you had that day. Your mind may try to escape the numbers and get back to something different, thinking about that interaction with your boss or your friend or your loved one. It doesn't have to. You capture your attention and say, no, no, we're counting today. And doing this process, I would lose count. And I knew it was working because when I lost count, I had to start again. And if I made it all the way down to zero or down to those low numbers, I would start again. Waiting is hard. There's not much you can do. I'm a goal-driven person. If the goal is to wait, I don't do well. I need to move. I need a goal to attain. And why I'm talking about waiting now is I'm waiting to make the next podcast, next interview, the next thing. But I'm still waiting. One of my interesting memories about waiting was the birth of my first son. He was due December 25th. He didn't arrive until January 2nd. When Michael was born, my wife had been in labor for over 24 hours. And it became clear that Michael became distressed. And an emergency C-section was scheduled. I'd been sitting in that hospital room all day. And they took her out. And I waited. Ten minutes passed. Twenty minutes passed. Thirty minutes passed. Forty minutes passed. A janitor came in and cleaned the room. I said, are they coming to get me? Did they forget about me? Was my son already born and I wasn't there to meet him? The reality was it was difficult sedating my wife so that we could get him out and she could stay conscious for the process. But finally, they came and they got me. They brought me down to the room where my son was born. I was one of the first people to hold him. I cut his umbilical cord. I 
put my finger in his hand and his hand wrapped around my finger. And I said, hi, Michael, I'm your father. I'm so happy to meet you. And I have that same love for him now that I had then. Remarkable boy, remarkable young man. With my middle child, Rowan, we didn't actually wait. We scheduled that C-section, that eviction we knew was coming. The stress of the waiting wasn't there. But for both my kids, my oldest and my middle, there was always the question of when do I go back to work? For so many Americans, there is no maternity leave or paternity leave. The waiting that you get is usually FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act, which doesn't pay you and also only provides that you won't be fired while you're gone. Many countries, many countries have some form of leave. Many employers are adopting some sort of leave. For my oldest son, I had three days until I went back to the office. For my middle son, I had saved my vacation, and I had two weeks. But let's talk about the newest ones. I am a father of twins. This is the first recording for the podcast that I've done since being a father of twins. And that's a lot of waiting. We learned that we were pregnant right around the time I left my last job. And in the second week of doing my own thing as the armchair attorney, I learned that, in fact, it was twins. That was a big, big piece of news. And then it was waiting. Waiting to see what was going to happen. Would my solo law firm be something that I'd want to continue doing full-time? Would it continue to be a project or a side hustle or some other way of keeping my legal chops ready to go? In September, we had an event. The event was a placental abruption. It caused a terrifying situation where my wife and I had to go to the hospital. 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, all of us in the car driving down to the hospital, dropping my wife off because I had to get my six-year-old and my nine-year-old back to bed. My wife spent time in the hospital, was transferred to another hospital, waiting, waiting, 72 hours. 72 hours is a long time. But it was uneventful. She returned home. Everything was okay. And then November 15th, the date my twins were born, I had been waiting for so long to meet them. I got to hold them. I got to cut their umbilical cords. I got to feel their tiny fingers once again wrap around my finger. It was incredible. One of the most defining moments of my life. And after several days, we returned home. The house with four kids is a pretty full house, and two newborns is a very full house. 
but my wife had to go back to the hospital. Blood pressure and swelling had caused a situation that the doctors required her to be brought back. And for several days, she was in the hospital. And we waited. We waited. My in-laws, my parents, my children were waiting for mom to come home. And she did. Oh, she did. And everything is going great. And I'm back to thinking about waiting. Every three hours is when you feed a newborn. Every three hours. At this stage in their development, it's all about accumulating mass. And that's what we as parents are supposed to do. Help them eat, feed, protect them, change them every three hours. And it has been marvelous and exhausting and challenging. I am not a patient man. I would never say that I am. But I have become better at waiting. I wait until they wake up, and I wait until they sleep. I watch the sun rise, and I watch the sun set, sometimes with no sleep in between. But it's an amazing experience, and I'm excited. The next few months are going to be challenging. We'll learn a lot about these kids, and myself, and my wife, and my older kids. It's amazing, and it's beautiful, and it's exciting. But I hate waiting. I never want to live in the moment that I'm given. I spend my time living in the future. A future self, a future event, a future thing. And I'm always pining for that. And I don't know if it's a bug or a feature of who I am. You can't change the past. It is whatever it is. You learn from it as best you can. The future is something that isn't here yet. You don't quite know what it'll be. It's that present moment, being present, that is so hard for me. But newborn twins make you live in the present. Their needs are now. Their desires are immediate. And there is no gray area. They only live in this moment. And this moment is spectacular. As you sit and listen to this, or drive and hear it, or whatever way you're able to consume this simple monologue about waiting, isn't it amazing what we have in front of us? This moment will never happen again. These words may never be spoken again. We must take this moment and seize it and make every single second count. I was a professional waiter in a past life, a quarter miler, 400 meter dash. Time was a very meaningful thing. You'd be in the blocks, preparing, waiting for the gun to fire, ready 
set. And then you go. And you go as fast as you can, for as long as you can, hoping that that energy doesn't let up. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. The waiting is the part that matters. The waiting is the journey. Where you end up doesn't really matter. Where you started doesn't really matter. It is what you do with the time that you have that defines every one of us. And so, as we prepare for whatever comes next, know that I am waiting, and we all will be for the foreseeable future. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and checking it out and giving it a listen. If you like it, subscribe. Tell other people to subscribe. And if you have ideas of how I can make a better version of what you want to hear, I'd love that feedback. As always, thank you for tuning in and have a tremendous day.